Now that text in 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 and 5 says that we, if we believe in Jesus Christ, and if we have faith in him, we have overcome the world. Now last week I I, uh, talked to you about the fact that Jesus had overcome the world. That uh, he, as a matter of fact, he he gave us the assurance. He said, uh, "Be not afraid, because I have overcome the world." And then we discussed, or I discussed with you, the fact that uh, the overcoming of the world by Jesus Christ was uh, accomplished by Him taking His pathway to the cross and dying on the cross of Calvary and defeating the worst enemy of man, and that is the devil. And death. Now this text says that you as a believer have overcome the world. Actually, you've overcome the world. That was predicted by the prophets. And it is, it is promised to us by Jesus Christ. The apostles announced the fact that Jesus had risen from the grave victorious. And that one day every knee on this earth, on this planet, would bow before Jesus and recognize his majesty because he is the victor and he has obtained the victory for us, given us the pathway by which we can also overcome the world. So everyone who takes up his cross and follows him will follow him into victory. You'll overcome. You will prevail. You will accede. You will not be conquered. You will be the conqueror. You will actually be able to overcome every obstacle that is placed before you by the adversary, the devil. Every believer who confesses his name and takes the path of faith overcomes the world. Now we conceive of the overcoming the world in the sense that we're going to overpower people somehow prevail over the enemy we and we conceive the enemy as being ensconced in the body embodied in the people of the world and we I mentioned last week and I, I want to emphasize it again that our enemy is not our neighbor our enemy is not our government our enemy is not our society our enemy is not our adversary across the ocean that holds another philosophy than we hold. Our enemy is the adversary, the devil. That's our enemy. And and in order for us to understand how we're going to overcome, we have to get in mind three three different things at least, in my mind at least, what I, from what I've read in the scriptures and what I understand and what I've experienced and what you've experienced. There are three things that are necessary in order for us to be conquerors, to be victors. The first thing is that we have to recognize where we're fighting, and we are fighting a battle, where we're trying to overcome. And the first thing we look at, and the first thing anyone looks at that's in a battle, we have to look at the field where we're battling. We have to look at the terrain. Where are we fighting? Obviously, if we were fighting a warfare, we'd want to make sure that as we engage the enemy, we are in an advantageous place, that we are occupying 
high ground rather than trying to fight from a valley up to the mountaintop. So we have to look at the field of battle. If we don't recognize the field of battle, if we don't recognize that it is the heart, our heart, and everybody else's heart, if we don't recognize that, we're, we're foolish in trying to win, a, win the fight. That's where our field of endeavor is. That's where our field of battle is. The battle is in you, brother, sister in Christ, friend and neighbor. That's where the battle's taking place. It's not taking place on somebody's front lawn. It's not taking place at, on a podium somewhere where somebody is engaged in a controversy with somebody else. The battle is taking place. The field of the fight is in your heart. So when that is taken, when that field is taken and conquered, then you are actually overcoming the world. Now that's the way it's working. The second thing we have to recognize, of course, is we have to recognize who the enemy is. When we, when we uh, begin to think about our enemies, we, we sometimes think in terms of those who are in controversy with us. People that don't do the things that we do, don't believe the things that we believe, that don't have the same mores and background and ethnic concept that we have. We, 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 we begin to look at people and say, well, because they're different and they, they don't really seem to fit our pattern of life, then that's the enemy. Well, that's not the enemy. The enemy, of course, is the devil. And he's the one who is going to try to overcome us with evil. And Romans chapter 12, verse 21 says, Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. He does not say overcome evil with evil. That's a very important point. If we believe that the world is going to correct itself, that all the harm and evil that's going on in the world is going to be self-correcting, or the battle is going to take place within the confines of the world against itself, that it's going to be self-correcting, then we're badly mistaken. It's not going to do that. The world is going to get worse and worse. It won't get better, and it won't improve. And Jesus did not come to this earth to take the world and change the world. He came to change you in the world. That's, that's an important point. Now, the last thing we have to look at when we talk about a battle and we talk about overcoming, we have to look, about, we have to look at our weapons. What sort of weapons do we have to engage the enemy? You know, I, most of us have uh, thought about and, and seen a lot of portrayal of the different world wars, the different wars, actually continental wars also, that have taken place that we've been sort of familiar with, like the war in Vietnam and the, and the war in Iraq and the war in, on Europe, the war on European soil, the war in Korea, and the world, Second World War. And we, we've looked at some of the images of that war, and we've, we've looked at the the different weapons of warfare, and we said, well, the ones who have won the war are the ones who have the superior armaments, obviously. 
That was obvious in World War II. We just overwhelmed Nazi Germany and the, and the uh, Axis forces. And the same thing in Vietnam. It was an overpowering of, of uh, weapons, weaponry. And in Korea and in Iraq and Iran, not Iran necessarily, but Iraq. So we, we've looked at the weapons and said, well, we have to, we have, to have superior weapons to, in, or, in order to defeat the enemy. And that's the fact. We have to have superior weapons in order to overcome the world. And if the field that we're looking at is our heart, and of course we can look at several texts in the New Testament that indicate this, the field is our heart. Jesus talked about this when he talked about the sower, that the seed, the seed that's being sown is in the heart of man. It's the heart that God is after. It is the heart that Jesus is going to conquer. And it is the heart where we need to defeat the world. Here's a, here's a text given in... Uh, well, let, let, me, uh, let me first of all, before I introduce that text, let's talk about the fact that, that the world rages in your heart. And you, you probably felt it. And you're, you may be feeling it right now. It's, a, it's a, a raging battle. It's not an imaginary fight. It's not as if it's something you have just thought about and it's something that some people like to call spiritual. It's not real. They're, they actually use the term spiritual in order to, to indicate something that's not real, and that's not really what the word spiritual means. The battle that you're fighting in your heart is a real battle. It's not an imaginary fight. It's not an illusory fight. It's something that's going on. It's a struggle that's going on. And it's, it's, a, it's not a bloodless fight because it costs the blood of Jesus Christ. It's a real battle. It's a fight to the death. It's a struggle with a winner-take-all concept or result. It's as serious as death itself. It's a kingdom fight. Without... Overcoming, we're not going to be able to promote the kingdom of Jesus Christ. But Jesus said, when he talked about the kingdom, he said, the kingdom of God is within you. It's within you. So even though it is a battle that's within us, it is still a raging battle. It's a life of faith. And because it is a life of faith, it does not diminish the fact that it is a life. Follow me. Your neighbor is going to tell you that what's going on with you is just simply a spiritual thing. It's not. It's real. You battle every day, every hour of every day, trying to keep the upper hand and keep the world out of your heart. You're trying that. You're doing that all the time. But you're able to overcome because Jesus has given you that power to overcome and it's the power given to you by faith. By faith in Him. That's what that text said in 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 and 5. Paul said it this way in 1 Timothy 6, at verse 12. He said, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto also you're called, and have professed a good profession before many witnesses. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, he says, I, I have fought a good faith. I finished my course. I have kept the faith. He said, I have fought. 
1 Corinthians 9, verse 26, it says, So run, not uncertainly, so I fight not as one that beats the air. He said, I'm fighting, but I know how I'm fighting. Now, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, this is the text I wanted to, to mention. Ephesians 6, at verse, verse uh, 10 through 14, Paul said, Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. He's the, he's the enemy. He said, We wrestle not against flesh and blood. You're not fighting against flesh and blood. You're not having to out-argue someone about a point that you believe is right. That's not the battle you're supposed to be, what you're supposed to be waging. If you're going to overcome the world, it has to take place on the battlefield, in the heart. You're not trying to outdistance someone in terms of how long you can endure some of the problems that come into life. You're trying to outdistance the devil as he's trying to overcome you in your heart. Here's where the battle's going on. Now, he said, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. There's no higher place on earth than your heart. That's where it's going on. That's the battle. You have to win that battle. And you win that battle through Jesus Christ and through your faith in Him. He said, Take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand an evil day, having done all, stand. Stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. So now he talks about the truth. Of course, we know what the truth is. The truth is God's Word. The truth is the Gospel. The truth is Jesus Christ Himself. He has given us a weapon that we can fight. He has, we know what the field is. We know who the enemy is. And we now we have our weaponry. And the weaponry He gives us, of course, is the truth, the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and verse 3, Paul said, We walk in the flesh, but we don't war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not fleshly. He said, But they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. We know where the battles for the souls of humanity takes place. And we know the weapons that we, use, that we are using to secure the field. We know that. We understand that. Our commander-in-chief is Jesus Christ. The commander-in-chief of the world is the devil. He's the seducer. He, he was uh, seducing enemies. He was seducing souls from the very, very beginning. His artillery and his weaponry is powerful. And it's alluring. It's lust and pride. It's hatred and animosity. It is powerful and it's alluring. The scripture identifies it and tells us this. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 through 17, it says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world... 
The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. He's identifying the, the enemy, and he's identifying the weaponry of the enemy. But he says, The world passes away, and the lust thereof, but he that does the will of God abides forever. Now, he warned his disciples against falling into step with the world and becoming part of it. That's what he said. He said, as a matter of fact, he, he told them, he said, uh, he, he prayed to the Father, he said, I, I pray that they, that they, uh, that you not take them out of the world, but that you keep them in the world. Keep their hearts. They should be, they should be kept away in John chapter 14, or John chapter, 7, chapter 17, verse 14. He said, I've given them your word, and the world has hated them because they're not of the world, even as I'm not of the world. I pray not that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil in the world. They're not of the world, even as I'm not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. We're in a situation in this country where we think that we're going to be over be able to overcome evil through the government, through laws, through passing legislation, that we'll just overcome the world that way, that we'll use the world itself to overcome the world. So we get upset and we get, get disturbed when laws are passed that seem to us to be, to be pushing evil, and it will. Because that's what the world does. But in order to push back, we, don't, we shouldn't be trying to use the world to push that back. What we push back with is the gospel truth. What we push back with are the weapons that God has given us. And the weapons He has given us is His Word, His love, His compassion, His forgiveness. He's given us all the weapons we need to secure a person's heart. And it's done one at a time. It takes place one at a time. It's not, it's not something that overwhelms everyone all at once. We look back on the day of Pentecost, chapter 2, in the book of Acts, and we say, well, look, there were 3,000 people baptized that day into Jesus Christ. Because Peter preached. He said, the Lord, God has made that same Jesus, both Lord and Christ. And everybody cried out and said, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll be saved. And he said, You receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, promises unto you, your children, to all that are far off. And as many as received his word were baptized, there were added 3,000 souls. And that seems to us, well, that was just overwhelming, overpowering. But you know what? Each one of those souls were added individually, personally. One at a time. It looked like a mass conversion, but it happened one at a time. Each individual soul understood the word that was being preached and accepted that word personally and was baptized personally. They were not baptized in mass. They were baptized individually. And they rose in the waters individually. That's how the world is going to be conquered for Jesus Christ. When we talk about the world, remember, the world is in the heart of the individual. That's the field, not out here in some spacious place that we consider to be the world. The world 
is actually the field we're talking about is within us. That has to be conquered. That's where Jesus steps up and conquers. He comes into our hearts. He comes into our lives. He comes into our, our field. But the world itself is not going to improve. Now, we can try as we will, and the way you want to improve the world, if you want to try to improve the world, you have to improve yourself because that's where the world exists. If you go out and try to argue somebody else into a position where they ought to accept your point of view of anything, you are not actually bringing them in out of the world and into Christ. You're not conquering the world with that. They have to be introduced to the gospel. They have to be introduced to Jesus through the gospel. Now, that's how the world's conquered. It's not conquered by overwhelming them, overcoming them, and, and doing such things that just overwhelmed them so, so that they couldn't do anything else. It's not done by force. It's done individually, personally. The world itself, what's going ha- to happen? 2 Peter 3 at verse 10 and 11 says, The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens will pass with a great noise, and the elements shall, fill, shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. This world is not going not to continue on, but those who follow Jesus Christ can conquer the world and escape the devastation that's coming upon it. In spite of what might appear to be overwhelming odds, the believer can and does overcome the world. They overcome the appeal and the power of the world that attempts to overtake them. Individually now. Individually. Not in mass, but individually. This happens. What do we do? Well, what a Christian does is they take the word of the Word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ. They present that gospel to an individual who hears that gospel. That individual then makes a decision one way or another to open their heart and let Jesus in and change them. You cannot change anybody. You can't. You, sometimes you can change someone's mind, but not often. You can't often change a person's mind. But Jesus can change someone. I can't change anybody, but Jesus can change someone. Now, we can, but the world can be overcome, and we can get, we can be victorious. For instance, there's a statement made in Revelation chapter 12, verse 10 and 11. That text says, I heard a great voice in heaven that says, Now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them, before God day and night, and they overcame him. They overcame. That's what we're talking about. Getting on top of the world. Getting out of the world. Getting the world out of our heart. That's what we're talking about. Overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of his testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. Revelation 17, verse 14 also says, talks about the people who came forth from the beast that was mentioned in chapter 17. It says, These shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them. Understand that when the Lamb overcomes anyone, He overcomes their heart, 
He reaches into their life. He changes their heart. He introduces faith and the power of his Father and the Spirit into the heart. And they change and the world leaves the heart. That's how they overcome. And he says, they, he'll, he'll, uh, He is the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And they that are with Him are called, chosen, and faithful. Again, Jesus didn't come to this earth to force the world to live according to His change. He came to change those who must live in the world. Believers step out of the world and into His kingdom. Their influence on the world could only be good. So, when Jesus is in you, and you have overcome the world in you, the only way you can influence those who are left in the world is by your good behavior, by who you are. Introducing them to Jesus who can change them. Now in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12 and 13, the text says, All that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers shall, worse, shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. The world is bound for destruction. That's where it's going. The world we know. It's bound for destruction. It's careening like a runaway train heading for an abyss. And Jesus is saying, get off. Get off. Get off of that. It's a sinking ship. The world is. It's a house on fire. And it's beyond correcting itself. The world is not going to correct itself. If the devil be opposed to himself, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, if Satan opposes Satan, his kingdom will be destroyed. But Satan is not opposing Satan. Satan is opposing Jesus. So Satan is not going to destroy himself. He's not going to consume himself. Governments are not going to, society is not going to, the world is not going to correct itself. It's not going to do it. It is not going to happen. It says, however, that uh, it's a sick patient that's in denial. The world is sick and it doesn't know it. The believer is urged to get off, to get out, and to get ready for the end. Overcome the world and don't let yourself be dragged back into it. We can be dragged back into the world, by the way. It can happen. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 19 says, While they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome, of the same as he brought in bondage. Again, you're overcome by evil in your own heart. You're brought back into bondage. If after they have escaped the pollution of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome, the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. It had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment. It's happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed who are wallowing in the mire. It's simple but compelling. There's a simple, compelling way to get out of the world. Believe, hear the Word of God. Hear the Gospel. It's the power of God unto salvation. Romans 1.17 Hear the Word of God. Repent of your past. We must all repent. Luke chapter 13, verse 3. 
confess the name of Jesus Christ, that he is the Son of God, have faith in him, be buried with him in baptism, to rise and walk in newness of life, and let your life be changed daily by Jesus Christ. Open your heart, let him in, and let him change you from evil to good, from unrighteousness to righteousness. Now, it, Jesus does overcome the world, as I said before, and it's one soul at a time. He brings you and anyone else into his kingdom by his power, and he over and he and he uh, he, he uh, capacitates us. He provides us what we need. He arms us. He gives us all the weapons we need in order to overcome everything we need. We can do it. It's possible. In Romans chapter 8 at verse 35, the text says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, he said, we are more than conquerors to him that loved us. This whole amount of time I've spent with you this morning is for this reason, only one reason. I want to tell you that you can overcome. You can overcome the devil in your life. You cannot overcome the devil in somebody else's life. But you can overcome the devil in your life. That's where we need to concentrate, in our lives. Jesus expects us to overcome the world with the weapons he supplied for us. Now, there's in the book of Revelation, chapter 2 and chapter 3, Jesus, Jesus addresses seven churches of Asia. And in addressing these seven churches, before he ever does this, he prefaces his statements to them with this. He says, let him that has an ear hear what I'm saying to these churches. If you've got an ear and you can hear, he's talking to you. Now, what he's telling these seven churches is interesting. He's talking about some of the problems they're having, but he ends each dissertation with each church little short section, ends each one with, to the one that overcomes, I'll give you this. I'll give you this. Because you have overcome, here's what you get. He expects you to overcome. He expects you to get better. He expects you to win the battle. He expects you to know what field you're in. He expects you to know the enemy and He expects you to use the weapons He's given you. And He expects that you will come out on top. You're struggling, you're fighting, you're at war, but Jesus said you're, gonna, you're going to win. You're going to win. He told the church at Ephesus, He said, when you overcome, I will give you to eat of the tree of life. When you overcome. Because he expected them that they would. And he's talking to you. When you overcome, I'll give you to eat of the tree of life. He told the church at Smyrna, he said, He that overcomes, you'll overcome. You won't be heard of the second death. He expects you to get over it. He expects you to overcome. He expects you to prevail. 
to the church at Pergamum. He said, I'll give you the eat of the hidden manna. I'll give you a white stone and I'll put your name on it. He's telling you that. He's telling you that. Because you've got it near to hear what he told the churches in, in Asia. To Thyatira, he said, if you overcome and keep my works to the end, I'll give you power over the nations. The nations won't have any power over you when you overcome. You're overcoming. To the church at Sardis, he said, He that overcomes will be clothed in white raiment. I'll not blot his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and his angels. He will confess your name before God. Church of Philadelphia said, He that overcomes, I'll make a pillar in the house of my God. I'll make you stand up tall and straight because you've overcome. He shall do no more go in and out. I'll write upon him the name of my God, the name of the city of my God. He said, I'll just identify you completely with myself and my Father, with my holy city. And I'll write on you my new name. He told those that lay out a city, he said, He that overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. Now that's, he expects you to overcome. He expects you to get better. He expects you to get strong. Now, if you're wondering, have you overcome? Are you wondering that? Have you, are, have you won the battle? Are you winning the battle? Are you overcoming? That's what we need to think, isn't it? That's what we need to think about. Now, Paul, Paul talk, told the church at the Corinth, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. He said, if you don't, don't you know whether or not you're in the faith? If you don't know whether or not you're in the faith, you're a reprobate. You need to know whether or not Jesus Christ is in you. You should know that. If you don't know that, you're, you're like so much trash has been cast aside. You need to know that. So, how do you know when you've overcome? You know you've overcome the world when the world slapped you down and you got right back up and didn't slap back. When the world has offered insults and made obscene gestures at you, you didn't retaliate in kind. You overcame. When the world presented opportunities to you to lie, to be dishonest, and to cheat, instead, you suffered personal loss and not gain, instead of profits. You know you've overcome when the world cursed you and you replied with blessings rather than curses. You know you overcame. You know you're overcoming. You know you've overcome when the world has assaulted you with hatred and rejection and you responded with forgiveness and love. You know you've overcome. When the world slanders and gossips about you, says mean things and hateful things about you, and you held your tongue, you know you've overcome. When the world has tantalized you with pornography, salaciousness, and evil things, and instead you thought you've said, no, I'm going to think about good things, and I'm going to think about decent things, you know you have overcome. 
That's how you know. Now, my friend, you can't overcome through Jesus Christ, and you are overcoming through Jesus Christ. And that's what I want you to understand. When you have allowed Jesus into your heart and let Him take charge and take control and take the field and win the battle, you have overcome. If you want to overcome the world, then you take that same concept to your neighbor and present to your neighbor the gospel of Jesus Christ and the love of Jesus Christ and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ and you hold up the light to show them the way and the light is Jesus our Lord. You show them the lamp. He's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our way. He is the light. I'm the light, the way, and the truth, Jesus said. That's how we overcome the world. I know you're overcoming the world. What I would say to you is stay with it. Stay with it. The rewards are wonderful. The spoils of the war are wonderful. Let's stand and sing our song of invitation.